Hey guys, and welcome back to the Natty Scene. We are joined by a guest today, just one guest, and it is the Darren Loxton, who runs Coach DSL as well. Darren himself is, for anyone who doesn't know Darren, is a competitive bodybuilder who's competed on a British level and a world level too. So he's a very experienced athlete. Um, and also, like I said, he runs Coach DSL, who basically works with a wider variety of, of clients. But you will probably, if you do know of Darren, know him well for coaching quite a few clients to the stage uh, within drug-free federations. And he's been doing that for several years. And of course, gained a wealth of experience through doing that. Um, Darren also alongside that is a very good poser himself, in my opinion. Um, always has a fantastic routine, always has stands out, like stands out in terms of presentation when it comes to even just the mandatory poses. Um, and that was, I think, when I first saw Darren posing in like 2015 um, and 2014, I think as well. It might have actually have been 2014. Uh, I knew that at one point I wanted to go to Darren for, for my own posing and I, and I did in 2017. Um, gave me a, a very honest critique of my physique at that time, which was very much needed. And yeah, played a, a pretty pivotal role in my understanding of posing within that year, which obviously allowed me to be uh, fairly successful within 2017. So um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on Darren. And yeah, I hope you're well. I'm very well, mate. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. So as I said to Darren, we've got a little bit of structure to questions. We've also got some listening questions that I've thrown in the mix into this uh, series of, of topics that we're going to cover. We are in this podcast pretty much going to cover just posing and presentation. So Scott, I hate to kill off your question, man, but uh, didn't read, didn't read the, uh, the post. Low carb day, apparently for Scott. Um, Scott, we're referencing to is Scott, Scott Jazzard, who is one of uh, Darren's clients and a very, very good heavyweight bodybuilder. So if you don't know Scott, then uh, check him out. But I thought I'd just uh, give him a shout out there. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> he will. Um, so basically, uh, first of all, obviously, I, I gave the listeners a little bit of an idea as to what level of competitor you are. But just to give a little bit more of a background, um, could you just tell the listeners how long you've been in the sport of bodybuilding, when your first show was, and sort of how you've, you've, you've gained this level of experience that you have now. Just give a bit of background. Yeah, sure. I was, um, I was introduced to natural bodybuilding in 2007. Um, I was 31. So I didn't, I didn't know natural bodybuilding really existed. You know, go back to 2007. There wasn't really, social media wasn't there. So we didn't have that understanding of what was going on. Someone, a good friend of mine now who was at the gym, spoke to myself and, and Rob Waterhouse, as most people would probably know, and said to us, look, you should probably do a show. And we were just like, behave, you know, we're not bodybuilders. Hmm. Now, our perception of bodybuilder was Flex Magazine, which was on the counter. That was our perception of bodybuilding. Yeah. We were told natural scene was on the, you know, was, was, was coming up, it was getting bigger. We went and watched the show, and that was it. Hook, line, and sinker. Just kind of fell in love with it there and then you know my my thing with bodybuilding was very much about the aesthetic artistry of it uh, you know it was you know look how these guys look nothing to do with being big nothing to do with you know muscle size just how elegant they were and there was some fun i don't remember who was who was competing um other than one guy called sean ferguson um that's the only guy i can remember competing kerry napier did the guest spot 
But I was just blown away. I was blown away by the potential of possibly looking like that. Um, I didn't know whether I could, but I wanted that challenge. I've always been competitive. 2008, we embarked straight away on an off-season, of course, off-season being just eat everything. Let's see how heavy we can get before we start dieting next year. Uh, no structure, no nothing. 2008, we embarked, myself and Rob, on our first comp prep um, with some guidance from a friend of ours, James House. Um, and that was it. Just we went to the BMBF Scottish. I qualified in third place for the British. And I kind of think that that was probably that pivotal point. You know, getting an invite to the British finals in my first year just made me believe that maybe I could do this. Maybe I was a bodybuilder. Maybe I could compete at this level. Yep. And that was it. Just every year since then, my whole drive has been to just be improvements. So fast forward, um, competed every other year apart from 2016, um, where I had a family bereavement. So then moved, shuffled that one to 17, then I went 19. And then obviously now here we are. Qualified for the British finals every year. Uh, always placed at the British finals. Top second was my best in 2014. Yeah. Then went on to Worlds and did uh, took second place at the Worlds in 2014. Um, so, uh, you know, bodybuilding was always something for me that I was always wanting. If I can't be competitive, um, I would then maybe take a backseat in it. But I've always, always found that bodybuilding has given me that outlet with my training. It's not necessarily the reason I bodybuild. I train because I just love training. Bodybuilding just gives me that extra level of focus. Um, and of course, right from the very, very beginning, I, I needed to be able to present myself better because I've never been big. I never will be big. I'll never be the biggest guy on stage. I remember your comments after Body Power. Um, and you spoke to me afterwards and said, I don't know how you do it, but you walk out on stage and you don't look very much. Um, and then you pose and you just look huge. Yeah, you yeah. just grow. Every, when you pose, you grow. And that, that's what posing is for me. Posing is that ability to make the, make the most of your physique. Um, I will never be able to, to you know, battle with the big guys on size. So I have to look at how I can do that in posing. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a background on me. Um, not retired yet, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm not, there's, there's no date. There's no date for a tin in, in the calendar just yet. Fantastic. So yeah, I do actually remember that at Body Power. I do remember seeing you at that show. And uh, I think that's when I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to Darren for posing this year. Um, so yeah, that was fantastic. In terms of, um, Coaching wise, so you got into bodybuilding 2007, 2008. When was it that you first took a client to stage? What was the first year that you took a client to stage? So that would have been 2010. Um, nice. not, not as a coach, um, you know, just, you know, when I first started coaching people to get on stage, it was just people in the gym, just yeah. people. You know, Darren, you've done it. What what can I do? I want to do it. You know, what should I do? Um, and I never charged people. Just it was just a matter of okay, well, this is this is what I did. I would at that point, of course, I became a student of coaching instantly. 
You know, I was given a plan. I was given someone else's plan of this is what you should do. And I instantly realized that this ne wasn't necessarily for me. Um, I need to tweak this. I need to now become a student of, of coaching, of bodybuilding coaching, of course. Um, so I tweaked it. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of asking. Uh, back then, it was all forums. So I was the guy on forums asking every question. You know, it's like that, that was our platform, you know, and, and whether I, I probably did annoy a lot of people with my questions, but I don't care. I want to know, like, how did you do that? Why did you do that? How, did you, how much water? How much carb? Why did you do that? I was, so I quickly became a, become a very, very good understanding of how, why the mechanics of it, the, the, the biology of it, because our bodies, our bodies are very, very different but fundamentally they were, we're all the same. Our bodies work the same, but with, with tweaks left and right. That's my belief. Yeah. So I quickly started helping other people um, with no charge. And then I realized that maybe I should be, when I was working at the gym, when I owned the gym, I didn't coach a lot of people because I didn't have time. Mm. Very time consuming, you know that. You yeah. cannot have a full-time job and coach lots of people full-time because you just can't give them what they need Agreed. you can be half-assed and you can just you know you can you can guide people but you can't really coach people it wasn't really i would say the last five years is really when i've started coaching more because i've invested the time into people um but straight away 2010 i think i took my first clients to stage in 2010 um and they they all did very well um, yeah. But we know we know full well that bringing someone to stage isn't necessarily. I didn't do very well. They had potential to do well. I just guided them. Yeah, yeah. So that that was that was that was the quick success. But that was a success from everyone's point of view, not just from me. For sure, for sure. It's like I've had people say to me about last year. They've said, "Oh wow, you you really you really came, everything came together for you as a coach last year." And I'm like, well. To be honest, I just got a really lucky card in terms of the people that I attracted within that year. I got lots of people with, not going to lie, very good work ethics and very good genetics. And when you have that combination, you look like you're a million dollar coach. But in reality, you've just got great people who are working hard on your principles. One of the, one of the things that I think is really cool about your coaching, not to stray away too far from, from getting into posing questions, but... I think from listening to the fact that you got into coaching back then and it was just with people that you were coaching for free, which I think is immense and also in person, like you were seeing them. I mm. think that's something that I've seen with your coaching that I've taken as, as, as much inspiration as I can from is uh, trying to see my clients as much in person as possible because I see you do that. Um, you know, people travel to you, they pose in, in, in your studio setup and, I think that's something that goes missing a lot now within online coaches that have a lot of clients. They never see them in person. They see them on show day and they're like, oh, you're a bit off the mark compared to what I thought you were. And I've even had that with clients last year that I had. I was like, damn, like those photos look quite different to what it looks like when you're moving and when you start putting poses together. So I think that's something great that you've done, mate. And the other way around, you know, I've, I've had a check-in, I've had check-in videos from clients and I've gone, ah, you should be really a bit further ahead than where you are. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, you should be tighter. I thought you'd be tighter. 
but I'm seeing you on the weekend, so it's okay. We're not going to change anything. Well, and I haven't made any changes because I'm seeing them in three days. They come in, and I go, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're, we, we don't need to make changes because yeah. the video was rubbish because maybe the lighting bounced off them. Maybe they it washed them out a little bit, looked a little bit flat that day. So seeing people in person is something that, you know, especially with posing. Coaching is, is obviously very, very similar, but with posing, you know, I do Zoom posing. Um, but I find that I can Zoom pose with people who have a better understanding of where their body parts are. Mm. Um, but for some people, I just need to grab hold of them. I just need to, to move them, you know, to, you know, move your elbows. You know. No, no, just, just half an inch, okay? No, no, half an inch. So yeah. sometimes, you know, that person thing, that getting hold of someone, and, which is why I do the um, free posing clubs once a month. Obviously not in lockdown, we're not allowed to do them. But the free posing clubs, you know, do them once a month. I, I don't do them for any federation. I know it is a BNBF posing club. But the posing club that I do, it's, it's my posing club. Vicky's, Vicky asked me whether I'd affiliate it to BNBF. Great, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. But getting people there and just being able to get hold of them, it makes a big bit. And I know you've sent plenty of clients to the clubs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Then there's one locally in... Yorkshire that John runs, isn't there? So yeah, um, yeah. And uh John, John, I remember John gave me my I think John literally gave me my first ever bit of bodybuilding feedback in 2014 at the BNBF Derby show. I remember going up to him and saying, you know, what do I need to do? And obviously it's a normal judge's situation, you know, they, 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 they've seen so many physiques and uh, but he did remember me and I and I remember that being a, a really cool moment. So and I always say hi to John at the show. So I should really pop by and I'll definitely go to the next one that's open and, uh, and go to the clinic. So yeah, in terms of moving into posing questions. So my, my first, my first question to you is did posing itself come naturally to you when you started bodybuilding and how much posing, how much is posing naturally influenced? So just a, a bit more background on that. Like, do you think that people that come from different backgrounds of different sporting events come to you and then naturally are really good posers? Or do you think that sometimes it, across the board, it is a learned practice? I think a bit of both. I think massively. So first, first part of the question, did it come natural to me? Absolutely, it did. Um, however, if you look back at my first set of uh, pictures from stage, you would disagree. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> okay. although it felt natural, and I, I, so my background in martial arts, I, I was a second dan black belt at the age of 18. Okay. So, so I've always been, you know, always been good at, at moving my body. And, and, and posing is about moving your feet. Posing is about moving your feet first and foremost. Everything else just, just lends itself. But if you can't move your feet, you're screwed. So I could move my feet well. So I could pose well. And I was comfortable. I was, I was fluent. And comfortable is the main, main ingredient here. But the aspects of perfecting it took time, took a lot of study, took a lot of work. Although I was natural at it, and I picked the posing up very, very, very quickly, I do believe that there are, from a lot of people's perspective, you know, I've had clients who are dancers um people who are just athletes and i always find that people who are naturally athletic pose better um 
You know, I, I have clients that literally on their own, own admission have two left feet. In fact, some of them have like five left feet. And they're a struggle. And it doesn't matter how good a coach you are. Um, I had someone stand on stage last year and his posing was terrible. Um, but this guy posed every week with me, every week for about 15 weeks. Uh, no, his posing was terrible. But if you'd have seen him 15 weeks ago, like he, it was horrendous. So to get on stage and just be not a good poser was a, was a victory. Mm. Uh, but he just didn't come natural. It didn't click for him. Now, it's not my fault. That's the fact that every time he walked in, he didn't know where his left foot was. You know, rotate your right foot. No, 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 your right foot. No, okay. Oh, what well, that one? Yeah, that one. So, so it's a little thing, but very much just in a nutshell. Yeah, I absolutely did find it natural. Um, I find that people from an athletic background definitely find posing easier, but that comes down to the, the ability to move their feet for me. If they can move their feet well, then they'll generally pose well. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've always thought that it is like people who are gymnasts and people who have full body, um, almost intuitive, like mind, not mind, mind to body sort of connections, you know, hand, hand eye coordinations or foot eye coordinations or whatever you want to call it, um, are better naturally at posing and, you know, like, I guess I, I was I was all, I was never really involved massively in 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 too many sports when I was younger. My main sport was motorsport, but with motorsport you have to be very hand eye and foot coordinated all at the same time. So it was something that I needed a lot of tweaks to my posing, but it never felt really awkward at the same time. Um, so yeah, and there's some people like me, you know, I'm sure you've seen plenty, but you know, clients just send you progress photos and you're like, just. <laughs> what what are we what are you doing like what is happening here um but yeah it's just a matter of time and learning it so in terms of beginning bodybuilding posing and we'll go into a little bit on other classes as well because as you know we could talk for hours about different classes and things like that but we'll stick mainly with with bodybuilding so it is quite a a daunting task when you're approached with you know multiple poses the, the quarter turns and the muscularity rounds um where do you think when trying to break down and get, get your sort of initial poses set, where do you think people should, should begin? Should they begin at a specific set of poses um, and make them better and work from there? Or, you know, how, how should they start? But if someone comes to me and they've never posed before, yeah. I only introduce them. If we're talking bodybuilding, I only introduce them, even figure competitors, same thing. Yeah. I only introduce them to quarter turns. Okay. So I never posed before. Let's not throw too much at you straight away. Let's, let's just work on quarter turns. Okay, let's say you nail your first rotation of quarter turn, bang on. Great. Okay, it come natural. Okay, I would then introduce. So it would be very, very personal. Okay. But I would, my mindset would be, okay, I'm just going to do quarter turns with you. Let's see how we go with that. Depend on the success of the quarter turns. It will depend on how long we spend on quarter turns or how long we quickly progress onto the second set. Um, so it is individual for everyone. I do find that it's a, it's a bit of a mix. Uh, I've got clients now who are probably four or five weeks into their posing practice, uh, and we're on we're still on quarter turns. Um, but yeah, so I would always just start quarter turns, and I would start quarter turns without any in-depth instruction. Um, 
it would be the basics of letting you, you've got to firstly understand what poses do I need to know? I don't need to do them perfect today. So one of the things I say to everyone when they come to a posing club is today we're going to pose to enable you to go to the next level of your posing. Whatever level you're at, I just want you to go to the next level. If you come and you don't know nothing, today I just want you to know what you need to do. I don't need you to be able to do it. If you can quarter turn, okay, now your quarter turns, you know what to do. Now I want you to know where your feet need to be exactly. Where does your knee need to be? Where does your shoulder to hip ratio need to be? Where do your hips need? First and foremost, I'm not even worried whether your feet are facing in the right direction. I just want you to know what the poses are. At your level, it would be fine critique. It would be, I need your knee pointing in this direction. I need your belly button pointing in this direction. If your belly button and knee are not in this direction and your hip, your glute and your hamstring is not gonna be shown the way you want it. So it would be fine detail. But all that, can you imagine setting someone up and going, okay, well, it, it, would, it would be like teaching them how to squat and putting 100 kilos on the bar. Yeah. It's like, break it right down, break it right down. And no tension. Don't okay. tense anything. Just create shape. Because the biggest problem with posing is people work too hard. Mm. It's like, why, why, are you, why are you sweating? We, you know, relax. I just want to create shape. Just create shape first. We'll add all the other bits in later. So it is very much about breaking things down for me. Introduce things at the level in which you're at. Whatever level that you're at, we just want you to go to the next level. Perfect. Awesome. So moving on away from starting posing and starting to critique the poses a little bit more and breaking them down. So might be a bit of a lengthy question, but just maybe give a few segments to, to each pose. So if we break down each male bodybuilding pose and obviously women's bodybuilding pose, and you can kind of in, include the quarter turns obviously as by part of figure. Um, what are the main issues that you see arising and what do you see on stage or when clients come to you, the main issues with each pose? So if we break them down, we go through all the, the symmetry round and the muscularity round. What are the main issues that you, that you keep seeing within, within each pose? I think this is really easy and we can hit this in a nutshell. Okay. Pose. People create too much tension and make themselves look small. It's like, what are we doing? We're on stage. Be big. Now, to be big, you need to lift up and open up. If you're worried about your abs showing, and you're crunching into your ab pose whilst trying to hit a front double bicep, well, I'm sorry, you're, you look small. Yeah. So in a nutshell, it's the same with every pose, side chest, side tricep, front double, front lat spread, people trying to be tight, people trying to contract so much. If you think, if you take a most muscular shot, if you're most muscular shot, if you push in, and I see people coaching this, right? Push your hands together, squeeze everything together, get every line out in your chest. Oh, but you know what? You've just gone from being that wide to that wide because you pushed everything in and now you look like a pea head. No, 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 no. Okay, you're shredded. You're on stage. You're in shape. Stay big. Hit your most muscular. Lift up. Open up. Keep your shoulders wide. 
and create tension through squeezing and contracting the muscle, not by condensing things. That is the same for every pose. Side chest, most people are guilty of this on side chest, trying to get this side of the pec big and then draw that shoulder in. Okay, it's now hard, great. But look how narrow you've made yourself. You know, you need to draw that shoulder back and keep that shoulder out. Keep that width across there. You should be in shape. You can create tension by squeezing the muscle without pulling everything in. Who makes themselves look bigger on a side chest? Only the top guys. Most people make themselves look smaller on a side chest shot because they push everything together. And they do that, and I'll tell you why they do it, and it's the same for most people. When they're out of shape, they're trying to look for lines and condition when they're out of shape. So they practice trying to be tight when they're out of shape, rather than just creating shape. When you're posing, when you're posing right now, leading into your show, 22 weeks out, however many it is, you shouldn't be looking for condition. Yeah. You should be trying to create lovely shape. When you're in shape, condition's gonna be there. But what happens is you practice so much, looking for lines, squeezing everything together, you then do that as second nature. It becomes a motor skill. When you step on stage, it becomes natural. So one of the things I have to really drum into most people is to stop making themselves small. Just be big. Lift up. Open everything out. Let your condition on stage be what, what, what makes you look hard, not condensing. So, so I would say that covers every pose. I don't think there's a single pose but people don't do that on. That's fantastic, mate. I think some of the stuff you said there is perfect and even got me thinking about some of the things that I'm doing. I think even now I think about that side chest tweak that you just talked about there and I'm already doing that. I'm already trying to like lock everything together too much. And um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people will take a lot away from that. And, and you sometimes think, you know, you see physiques, you know, drug-free physiques on stage creating crazy shape. And then that's why, you know, people say, oh, you know, oh, they can't be natural. They can't be that big natural. But they're, they're posing better than probably some people who have, you know, 60 pounds of muscle more than them um, and can create so much more shape. And, and as a result, give the illusion of, of size through shape. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic. And one of the things that I've seen you, you do as well, and, and again, something that I learned from yourself is, um, is posing actually without you know showing your physique so posing clothes mm. so if you could just talk a little bit about why you think sometimes that's beneficial and and when you'd use that do do you use that more so in the off season or or do you pose clothed and and practice um during your prep as well yeah so there's, there's both yeah it's it's all of the above really it, i think a lot of people, like fundamentally, you know, we want to look at ourselves. Okay, we're bodybuilders. It's it's natural. It's okay to say you like looking in the mirror. <laughs> but there's there's, a, there's that fine balance. I think if you bear in mind, you don't have a mirror on stage, so you have to first and foremost become comfortable with posing and creating the shape that you want without a mirror. So why do you need to take your clothes off for that? It's like you know, you can't see it anyway. You're just doing it. The main reason I do it, 
I tell you how I started doing it. I started doing it because I didn't, it was in a contest prep years and years ago. I wasn't happy with how I looked and it was getting me down. So I thought, I'll do my posing practice then. I won't, won't strip off. And I felt good. <laughs> and I left that session actually in a better mood. And I was like, because, you know, like when you're 15 weeks out, you're not big anymore. You're not shredded. Yeah. You're, in, you're in that minefield of, I look crap. Have I made any gains? Have I made any progress? I still look rubbish. You don't look rubbish. You just look rubbish for your own perception. Yeah. You're not fat, but you feel fat because your own level of expectation is not met yet. You have this perception of where you want to be. You're not there. You know you'll be patient. So I started doing it. Long short, I started doing it because it was... It was, it was affecting my mindset. So I started keeping my clothes on. I then found that that really helped me. It then helped me with my connection of where I needed to be. So then I started doing it in phases. I started posing with my clothes on, taking my clothes off and closing my eyes, recording it, of course, recording my posing. Yeah. Closing my eyes it takes a little bit of getting used to you don't fall <laughs> over. And then I would open my eyes and watch myself. So I would do it in stages because I needed to know when you're on stage, you look back at your first ever stage pictures. You didn't think that your elbows were down there and your bicep shot, right? <laughs> you thought they were perfect, but they weren't. They were down there. And it's because you didn't practice enough and you didn't get a motor skill to know where it felt like, bang, when your arm is in the right position. So you need to create that motor skill and that ability to feel when it's in the right place. People don't do that because they always look at themselves. So you need to strip back the mirror, stop looking at yourself. But then moving on, I do it now because it's about stage fitness. It's about being up there when the head judge calls another round. Okay, we need to see you again, guys. Let's spin you around. And everyone's going, wow, I'm smoked already. You know, I don't want to do another round. So people just don't pose enough. You know, you, you, you go, it's like boxing. You know, boxers don't, don't train for 12 rounds. They train for 50, 100 rounds. In the inevitability that they go to 12 and they'll still be strong in 12. Same posing. Pose with the inevitability of doing 10 rounds. Can you do, can you, AJ, do 10 rounds of posing? Not right now, mate. Not right now, no. Nor could I, but, <laughs> but I could, I could, if you asked me to on stage day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the difference. You know, I will say posing fitness is probably one of my biggest bugbears with my clients, other people's clients, you know, just people on stage. You can see people that have put the rounds in, you can see it, you know, and if I can see it, you're damn right. The judges can see it, uh, you know, cause they're in a better seat than I am. So I do it fundamentally now because I get out of bed in the morning. I do not get dressed. I stand in the kitchen. There's no mirrors in the kitchen. And I run through my quarter turns and I run through my muscularity rounds every morning on prep. It feels mm. crap. Yeah. Nothing feels good when you get out of bed. You're flat. You're tight. You're a little bit lethargic. So you don't want to really want to look at yourself anyway because you look flat anyway. So there's no point in looking at yourself. That's just going to get you down anyway. So might as well keep your clothes on and do it in the kitchen with no, with no mirrors. So I think posing with no mirrors, 
and then introducing mirrors and then having that set that section where you a little bit with mirrors a little bit without mirrors more importantly everyone these days has a phone there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't be recording every posing session when you're stripped down recording every posing session um just to look back and see how awful you look uh, and then and make critique yeah have that critique you know have someone that can critique it for you as well um someone that's going to look at it and be be objective in in where you are and what you're doing but fundamentally mirrors just create bad habits you know I, i've got clients saying my all my clients will tell you when they pose for me on the check-in first thing i'll if if they're looking in the mirror when they're doing it i scream at them what are you looking at you stop looking at yourself like i'm here what are you looking over there for in the mirror I, you don't even look good in that mirror when the camera's over there <laughs> so it's like get rid of the mirrors when you're posing bring them in when it's needed use your phone put it down spin it around so you can't see yourself don't do it on selfie mode you've got to be able to critique yourself you've got to be able to look at what you look like but most important you've got to be able to pose without that mirror on stage yeah fantastic yeah i think again in 2017 you told me about posing fitness and it was one of the first times i'd heard a little bit more about it. i think yourself and also through following Jeff Alberts, who uh, preached quite a lot about posing with poise, um, mm. as opposed to posing like you're trying to show everything off too heavily and, and basically just running out of gas. And that is something that, again, for the listeners to know, you know, how that impacted me. Well, when I got to the finals and we were doing more rounds of judging, I was able to consistently present myself without getting excessive cramp or... Um, my tan running or me getting like poorer and poorer as the rounds go on and just getting lazy and making mistakes because I was running out of breath. Um, and that's happened to me in the past. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten lazy and made mistakes because I felt tired, but when it comes easy and you've practiced it so often, it looks, it looks so different on stage and you're, you're, you're just, you're running through your poses like it's nothing. Um, and you can concentrate then on making sure that the whole presentation is, is bang on. Um, bringing it back to that, that finals, AJ, you probably look better in your last rotation than you did in your first rotation. That's cool. But, but, and and that's, that should be the way it is. And the reason being is you, you fill out. So if you pose four or five rotations and you're still fit and strong at the end, you probably look better because you are drawing that water into the muscle as well. You are getting fuller. You're getting a better pump. So if you've got more fullness and hardness in your last rotation, not only are you still looking great, you're looking better. Yeah. So I had him tied maybe with this guy, but now that guy is absolutely smoked. He's now no longer looking good. He's looking better. My scorecard's decided. Yeah. I'm not going to score. My scorecard's not decided in the first rotation. No judges, unless if someone walks out and they're just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they just write their scores down on the last rotation, not the first. Yeah. So that decision. So you step up on that last rotation and you're looking the best you've looked because you've got fuller and you're still presenting yourself perfectly. Likely it is. You're going to get a nudge up. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. So, I want to cover a couple of things on the rear poses. Yeah. So 
first of all is the the discussion of tuck or no tuck and this is to do with the glutes yep. so the first ever experience of this that i had for the listeners was uh my second second year of competing 2015 when i got some more direct feedback from from vicky um and she said how uh i was because i just won the teen midlands and she said don't tuck don't tuck at the finals and I was like, you know, what's that mean? Because she, I think she said on one of my photos that I look like a scared dog. She, she says that to everyone that tucks. And, um, and so, so, I, so I then obviously like asked her what she meant by it and started playing about with the way I tilted my hips. So if you could give your thoughts on that, whether you think that some, everyone should suit that style of posing where you posturally tilt your hips or whether you find some people do need to tuck to show show something else so give your thoughts i think glute development has a massive role to play in this if you have zero glute development and you tuck you will look awful <laughs> it's <so laughs> simple and the reason being is when you tuck with no glute development you completely lose your glutes now i know why you tucked it's the same reason why everyone else tucks because they want to show condition mm -hmm. and of course if you've got striated glutes it's a you know who doesn't want to show striated glutes However, when you have better development, you can tuck without it looking like a tuck yep. because you have better glutes. So you'll still have that curve. And the reason a tuck looks awful on most people is because it flattens out your lower back. So it's not necessarily a tuck for your glutes sake. It's a, it's a getting rid of the tuck to help your back present presentation. Mm. So when you, push your hips backwards, you will create tension through your lower back. So your erectors at the bottom will fire, your lower lat will fire. I can get people to bring out their lower back without actually tense, tensing their back. You shouldn't be tensing your back on stage. This yeah. is a, a big thing as well. Your back doesn't need tension. You need to create tension through posture. So to do that, you need to roll your hips back and lift your chest. Roll your hips back, lift your chest. You will instantly create tension through your back. Well, I can already your feel that now, just like doing it here, yeah. <laughs> and, and now your back is on. Yeah. But now you don't have to worry about it. That's set. That's done. Less effort going into tensing my back. I've created it. Now you can focus on what's important, hamstring tension. When people tuck, it's very hard to contract hamstrings. If you want, if you've got good hamstrings, you need to create that open arc. You need to lift your knees out and you need to draw your heels in. By lifting your knees out and drawing your heels in, you can create tension through your hamstrings. But then that takes it away from your glutes. If you push your hips back in that position, your glutes will also fire. So you can create tension through your glutes by activating your hamstrings, not the other way around. And a lot of people focus too much on glute activation they lose their back control, they lose their back position, they lose, they lose their structure, and they lose their hamstrings. So we need to spin it around. Create hamstring, that will fire your glutes. Push your glutes back, that will fire your back. Lift your chest, that will open you up. So you create that posterior chain tension through activation rather than a direct movement. Does a tucked glute look good? I think it looks bloody awesome 
as a transition. Before so you hit the rear poses? Absolutely. If you've got absolutely diced in glutes, why wouldn't you? But then once you've, once you've shown them off and everyone's seen them, <laughs> then hit the pose properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you keep your glutes tucked, it will take away from a good shot. I, I, I've got, I've got, I used to tuck. I used to tuck because shredded glutes used to be the holy grail for me as well. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you? It's like, how do I make my glutes look the best? You tuck them. Yeah, um, and I want that, and I want that picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I think you should tuck them, show them if you've got them, and then push your hips back out. If you tuck your glutes, to create tension because some people find it hard to create tension to their glutes while pushing it back. If you engage your glutes from a tuck position, then set your legs, you can often find that balance between pushing them back enough so they're not tucked and still keeping them engaged. So often people have to tuck to get that control. It's not the same for everyone. I, I've got people who I'll say, right, Draw your, draw your heel in to create hamstring tension, and they don't get it. So say, okay, well, push your toes out instead. Got it. So sometimes people need to stimulate through different areas. Often, glutes are very, very dependent on the, on the muscularity. If you've got glutes like Mark Claxton, like, you don't need to worry about it. It's funny, because I was literally just about to give him an, as an example, because... I asked him how he balances it because I've always thought I, I, I thought he tucks because his glutes looked so good from the back. I was like, surely he's, he's tucking them, but he, he told me he's not. He's just got that really good balance of, like you said, setting them up so that it almost looks like he's, he's tucking them from the back, but he's actually still posteriorly tilting. So his back yeah. still has that shape. Um, I think that is like the perfect balance that you need to know. Like you know, David Kay is another example of someone who has massive glutes and can just nail it from the back where it looks like he's still got fully striated glutes all the way up, but they're tilted. If you notice how he does it, if you ever watch, like, like a lot of bodybuilders won't watch these things. And I watch these things when I see people pose, I always look at the little intricacies. Yeah, I, I know how David Kay sets his glutes. He sets them to his feet and hamstrings. You can see him doing it. If you watch him hit a rear shot, first thing he'll do is he'll set his feet, he'll rotate his toes out, tuck his heels in, and his, you'll see it fire up. You'll see his hamstrings come in and his glutes activate. Because his glutes aren't activated instantly, you'll see it as a process of, you know when we pose, I always say, set your feet, set your feet. It's like, set your feet first and it will all come up. So you need to watch how people do it and watch how people activate these shots. You know, little things like that make a big difference in your own personal posing. Uh, and it's things that I took on board when I was watching people pose. Um, you know, how are they doing that? And if you don't know, if you can't work it out, go and ask them. Yeah. Like, yeah don't be that guy. It. Don't be that guy that's like, oh, how does he do that? Well, he's still over there. Like, Dave, how do you activate your hamstrings, mate? He'll tell you. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it is very much be observant, watch people when they're doing it. Um, but glutes are, uh, and it's a funny thing, glutes are so sought after, yet it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
but it, it matters to the whole picture. And I do, I believe it does as well. Awesome. Okay, cool. Great answer. So my second question is about the real app spread. So you see a lot of people absolutely smash up the real app spread in a bad way. And just, it's so painful to watch because you know, this person has a great back because they can present it from the front. They can maybe do a front lat spread and a front relaxed and have boom, great lats. And they turn to the back and they can't open up. Um, what do you think are the most, the most common issues when it comes to being able to open up in the real lat spread pose? Most people treat them as two separate poses. Same pose. That's what I've been taught recently. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times, and this does happen a lot, um, and I see it with people that come to me. So I will just get them to do a front lat spread and turn them around and go, okay, got it right? Have you got it? I go, yeah, yeah. Right, now reactivate it facing this way and they do the same thing again. They do a different pose. Yeah. It's that activation. So I find that people, when they do a rear lat spread, they are focusing on contracting their back because you can now see it. And coming back to what I said a minute ago, you don't contract your back on back shots. You create position. And then you let your hips and your chest create tension. So your tension should come from postural position, not from muscular contraction. So if you contract your back, you're probably not going to open up and relax it. So how do we bring our lats out? Well, we shift our shoulders forward. Okay? So simple. Shift your shoulders forward. My back is now wide. Well, it's not, but it's as wide as it's going to get. <laughs> but that's how I do it. So when I do a lat spread and I bring my shoulders back, I've now lost my lats because I'm focusing on contracting my back. So what people need to do, roll their shoulders forward, drop them down, back is nice and wide, place hands, bang. That's it. And then there's little intricacies that then make a rear lat spread different to a front lat spread, like foot position. Most people, when they do it, they don't get their hip balance right. So often you'll see people putting a leg back too far and their hips drop. So first and foremost, make sure your hips are stable. Hips need to be set. Bring your foot back as far as you need to bring it back to keep your hips stable. Don't push it out because someone said, I need to have it far. I need to, depends on the length of your legs. Depends on how your posture is. Most people need a small step. Tiny step back, keep their hips stable, activate through shoulders, and then lift your chest. By lifting your chest, you've now just fired your lower back. You'll see one of the biggest mistakes people make with a lat spread is they open up and then they don't lift. So they'll be rounded. So they'll be round and their lower back just looks washed out. They don't have a lower back. But you know, because you've seen their progress pictures, you've seen their check-ins, they have a wicked lower lat insertion. Can't see it because they're rounded. That's simply chest position. All they need to do in that position then is, I remember Rob Wardhouse um, saying it at one of the posing clubs and I was like, that's such a good way of saying it. And is put a pint glass on your chest. Open up and then put a pint glass in your chest. Okay, now you're in the right position. And does it hurt? Yes. Then you know you're in the right position. Yeah. But that lower, lower section of your back 
if you have an exceptional back, probably going to get away with it more than most people anyway. But if you don't have an exceptional back, you've got to make sure the position is perfect. Um, so it's chest, open up, shoulders forward, fundamental first and foremost, shoulders forward. Then you'll be wide. That's the key for every shot. Always white shoulders forward. And then that chest up, pint glass on your chest. That will then make you thick through your lower section. Um, but it is very, very normal when you see people turn to the back and they don't activate that shot when you know they've got a good back. But most of the time, AJ, there, it's because they're working too hard on it and they're contracting. You know, they're, they're tensing their back. And it's like you just don't need to. Your back should not need to be tensed. Awesome. Okay, cool. So next I want to do discuss the quads briefly. So a lot of people have a, have a hard time holding their quads in position to show separation throughout an entire round. And example, you might be held in a front relax for quite a while if it's a big lineup and, and people, you know, step on stage that boom and the quads separate all the way from the hip to the knee. And then 10 seconds later, it's like they've not dieted. So how do you, do you teach people and how, what's the best cues that we can use to hold the quads in position to show separation? I think firstly, once you know how to actually contract, so let's say you already know how to contract them because you, you, you just, you can, you can switch them on. It's just time. It's like, go and put the kettle on, keep your legs switched on for the whole of the time while the kettle's boiling. <laughs> just do it. Every time you put the kettle on every, when you're still in the kitchen, when you're brushing your teeth in the morning and before you go to bed at night, switch your legs on. It is very much a muscle group that is hard to keep on unless you constantly keep practicing it. Now, you will have a problem when you're in deep in prep because obviously the fatigue um, and the accumulation of fatigue, yes. And I have people moaning to me all the time, oh, but my legs are so tired. So <laughs> do you want them to look good on stage? Yeah, yeah we'll just do it then. Oh, but I, I, I just don't care. Like, are you asking me how can I keep my legs switched on? You just need to practice, 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 practice. Now, how do you switch them on is fundamental because you need to be able to switch them on without, again, contradiction here. You don't want to be squeezing them because that's just energy sapping. You need to find a position with your body, with your setup, that enables you to contract your legs with less effort. Okay, a couple of little tips. If you're stood upright, it's gonna be really hard to contract your legs and keep them on. You'll switch them on, you won't keep them on. So first and foremost, you need to push your hip back. In all your shots, you tilt your hips back. That enables you then to contract through your hip flexor. So switch your hip flexor on, don't switch your quads on. If you switch your hip flexor on, it will switch your quads on. But you're not focusing on actually switching your sweep on. You're not actually focusing on switching and squeezing your legs. You're switching your hip flexor on. It translates. It comes down. The tension will come down. That's less energy consuming straight away. However, then you can do little things like foot position. This doesn't work for everyone, but it works for a lot of people. Lifting your big toe. If you lift your big toe, push your hip back, lift your big toe, it'll switch your quads on. 
So one of the things that we do as well in, in posing clubs and posing sessions is teach people to pose with less effort. How can I, self-preservation, how can I be on stage and not die? <laughs> so how can I pose and keep things switched on without looking like it? I can see you doing it there I'm now. It now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you stood up, it's easier. But, but it is about little things. Little things make huge differences. I remember, and I know you won't mind me saying, Dan, Suncliffe, Dan Sutcliffe um, came for a posing session with me. He came fifth at the um, Southern BMBF novice class. Okay. On, he went on to win the British novice class. And oh, I remember him. Yeah, short, shorter lad, yeah. He won best wheels as well that day. He came for a posing session with me. Um, I, didn't, I hadn't been coaching him. He came to his polygraph test. And I put a post out saying, um, while you're at your polygraph, I'm doing posing sessions. He came along. He didn't know how to engage his legs. He'd never seen his quads before. As, a, as in, he just, and he was like, I just can't switch them on. Two little cues. And he looked in the mirror and he laughed. He just, of course, like, it was only literally two things I just said. Push your hips back first. Lift your toe up and squeeze through. And he just looked and went. <laughs> they were, and it was literally as simple as that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's my it's because of me he won best wheels, but it is. Yeah. Because I, I did tell him it was because of me. But no, it's little little uh, so quads, switching them on on stage, um, practice, practice, practice. Learn how to switch them on first and foremost. Don't use your whole quad to contract. Just use those two stimuluses, both ends, hip flexor and toe. Lift your toe, push your hip flexor back, switch your legs on, and don't squeeze too hard. Just create tension, but don't, don't absolutely drain them of energy. And then just practice, 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 practice. Fantastic. All right, so moving on to transitions. So... I know you're a big, big fan of transitions and making your whole stage presence look immaculate from the front relaxed to the, the most muscular. Um, and you see a lot of people and, and for the listeners, if, if you know, you've not been to a bodybuilding show transition is essentially how you move from pose to pose um, and make that look fluid. So what advice have you got for people to start building transitions? Do you think that this is something that, is individualized and, and, and some people just do different things or do you think there's certain things that, that we can start to practice to make pose to pose look better i think it depends on the level of your competitors depends on the level you are i i personally don't think it's important okay um because when you walk out and say let, let's let's categorize it is it important for you yeah like, like if I was posed, if I was coaching you posing, I want your, I want your transitions to be perfect because that's your level. You're at that level where it should be. I expect it from you because it looks more professional. Yep. It looks like you've put the work in. It will make you stand out. It will make a difference because let's be honest, the best guy in the show is probably going to win, even if he's not that good at posing. The worst guy is probably still going to lose, even if his posing is the best out of everyone. Because that's bodybuilding. It's about our physiques. 
what we do in between and how we create those shades does make a difference. It makes a difference from everyone in the middle. Now, if you want to be the top guy, the top guy will be transitioning. But it's at that level that you want to work at. So entry level, just work on the poses. Just turn and hit the pose. Don't overcomplicate it. You're probably going to be crapping yourself on stage anyway. You're probably going to be rushing things. So my most important thing when people transition is slow down. Slow everything down. Do everything at your own pace. Don't worry about the guy next to you hitting his shot straight away. He might look crap. You don't know. You need to take your time. For me, transition is very, very important because I was always in that middle pack. I'm always going to be that middle pack. I need to stand out. I need to be pushing up to the top of the pack, not edging down to the bottom of the pack. So for me, moving up the ranks in bodybuilding, for me, I quickly recognized that I needed to do things perfectly. I needed to stand out. I needed to make the most of my physique because I'm never going to have the best physique. So for me, transition was something that I felt important and I feel it's more important the higher up the ranks you go because it's expected of you. How to transition? Transition is very much a taking the foot off the gas, controlling your tension whilst you turn, and then contracting into your position and then switching back on. That is a transition. Let's say you're in a front double bicep shot. You've hit your shot, you switched on. You're called a lap spread. You cannot create, you cannot keep that same amount of tension from a front double all the way through into a lap spread. You've got to shake out, bang, relax. Keep things switched on whilst contraction, whilst, whilst losing contraction. Then you transition in, lift, break your pose down. If you break your pose down into format, feet, hips, chest, arms. That's pretty much how every pose goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> every pose goes the same. So have that in your head. When you walk in to do a deadlift, you have a pattern. You should have a pattern on every pose. And it normally sets out feet, hips, chest, arms. Work through that. And you can transition like that. So simple quarter turn. Quarter turn to the right. Right foot moves. Left foot moves. Left arm comes across, back show your shoulders. You've now got a transition. You've moved three things. You're not the guy doing 15 steps on stage to get in position. You've moved right foot, you've moved left foot, you've moved left arm, you've brought shoulders back, bang, done. So that's how you break down a transition. You create a pattern. And you can do that for every single pose. All right, fantastic. So. Pretty much the final segment of questions that I want to ask is more relevant to, to routines. We've not got too much to, to cover here. We, we could talk for a while, but I want to make it quite basic. So in terms of the, the posing routine itself, when do you think people should start building their routines? How far out from their show? Um, and yeah, let's start with that question. How far out should we, should we start routines? How good do you want it to be? Very good. Let's say people want to part. People want to demonstrate something that's you know enough to 
obviously not sway a decision, but make themselves look like someone they, they want to be judged if, if you know, we go into a, a tough decision? Yeah, I think it depends on, on how important it is to you. Um, That's true. That's really true. That's a great point. And, and for me, it's always really important. Like it sounds bizarre, but I do routines now for like next time I compete. I don't even know when I'm going to compete. <laughs> yeah. I hear a song and I do a routine to it and I see how that song might work. I have a playlist. That's, yeah, I like that one. It's straight in my playlist for, for, for posing options. Yeah. Because it's that important to me. We'll then go down to the other end of the spectrum. I've got clients that don't even choose their own song um, because it's so irrelevant. Posing song is irrelevant for a lot of people because it's not going to be a routine. It's going to be a set of poses with music in the background mm. because you're being judged on your physique, not on your ability to dance. But for me, it's it's hundred percent important. It's the best part of my day. I love it. So I'm already practicing now. When I'm in comp prep, how many weeks out are you now? Twenty-two this weekend. I have my routine's done. Ready? Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine it would be. Yeah. Not only is it done, I'm doing it every day to perfect it because I might, in that twenty-two weeks leading up, I might lose a shot because. I was like, you know, it doesn't quite work. I thought I'd look good in that shot. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not actually that happy with it. So yeah. I scrapped it and I put a different one in. But the fundamentals of it, the basics of it is done. 22 weeks out, I know what song. I've practiced it daily. I've done it with my, I've videoed it. I'm critiquing it. First, probably five or six weeks. It's probably changed 10 times, but little bits. Because I know what poses, I, I know what poses look good on me now. You should know what poses look good on you. Um, people who don't pose that well, or people who, um, how do I say this? People who, for some people, it's not important. They just need to hit some good shots. Yeah. They just need to choose their, their, their best eight shots. Forget the music's even there. Um, because for some people, it's not going to be the biggest difference. For you, level of experience goes up. Um, as a pro, your routine should be bang on. Um, there are some, you do see some pros that are very average routines, um, but that's probably because it's not that important to them. Mm. And I do think federation makes a difference as well. Okay. Is it, is it being judged? You know, and, and like what anyone says, some federations don't judge the routines. Um, and you can see that they don't because they're not taking paying attention when the routines are being done. So I, you can say whatever you want about, you know, do PCA judge routines? I don't actually know, to be honest. I, there's no one looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> so Probably not. <laughs> it's like half the judges go for a wee when the routines start. Oh, no. So for me, but personal, on a personal level, if you want to be the bodybuilder you want to be, I think routine is very important. And I would have already nailed it by now. I'd be pretty much close to a finished article. Yeah. Um, but also, um, it's different as well because 
this year there's only one show, you know? Yeah. But I would always do a different routine for every show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that I'm learning as well. I think being able to be creative and, and create something new for each show and stand out a little bit more. And ultimately I think it's a case of like the reason why I think my routine matters to me is because I want to look professional. I want to look like I'm nailing every element of that, of competition. Um, and I, I feel like even if it is not judged, it is part of the competition. It is part of the day and, and it, it matters. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've got the structure of it there, the songs there, and the structure of the poses. But like you said, there's a few that I'm not sure that like I haven't included a front lat spread. But when I'm lean, front lat spread is actually quite a good pose for me. Now it is awful. It's probably one of the worst front lat spreads I've ever seen in my life. Um, and that is just down to my waist, and I just just for some reason I just don't connect with my back anywhere near as much as I do when I'm lean. I'm sure everyone's pretty similar, but I just don't, I just don't connect with it. Um, so yes, I think. In terms of connection, AJ, you should be just creating shape right now. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Like it's like, it's so not important. It's not yeah. important to have that connection right now. It's like, why do I pose with, you know, when I'm, when I'm practicing my routines, I'm not setting legs. Okay. I'm just practicing how those poses actually look. I'm going to yep. set them later. I'm going to set them eventually. But when you start breaking it down, you're not really creating much tension. But then when you strip down and look at it, then you create tension. Then you start setting it. You will see. But you can then dip in and out of poses as you get closer. When you're five weeks out, you'll know whether that last spread is going to be in or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Awesome. I think that's all of my questions pretty much done. Um, is there anything else that you particularly wanted to add or do you feel like that's for at least for now we can obviously have another discussion if we feel like we've missed anything but do you feel like we've covered pretty much everything that would be good for a, a baseline podcast on this topic yeah absolutely I, I, I think the most thing the most fundamental thing with posing is and I think this is the thing that people make the biggest mistakes is they work too hard I know I did say that earlier on but just to kind of really make it pivotal when you're practicing your posing, you don't need to be balled out. You do need to relax. You know, if you are relaxed, you are going to look better. Have you ever, like people, people listening would have heard the word, oh, that guy really pops on stage. You know, when he hits that shot, he really pops. And that is referring to the transition between tension and real tension. You know, if you want to pop on stage, okay, We'll use you as an example. When you hit a front double bicep shot, do you want people to notice how much you brought your arms up? Yeah. yeah. What, you need to do, what you need to do, you need to draw attention to that. You need to hit your shot in a semi-relaxed position and then hit it. Uh, Let me see it change. Let me see it pop. Shit, AJ's brought his arms up. That, that's how. Like you that, yeah. create that illusion on bodybuilding stage. So when you work too hard, if you're already tensed, moving into your position, you won't see a difference. You won't see a pop. So I think that's the take home for me with posing. Relax, learn to move your feet, learn to relax through your transitions, only tense when necessary, self-preservation, 
enjoy your posing and practice, practice, practice. Fantastic. Oh, awesome, Darren. I think this is this is this has been an awesome podcast. Um I've I've really enjoyed it. It's always great to hear from you. And I hope the listeners have taken have taken away some some good stuff as well. I'm sure they have. Um right. so finally, just just for anyone that does not follow you at the moment or perhaps is interested in inquiring either for coaching or for posing, uh, where can they find you and where can they reach you? So on Instagram, I am coach underscore DSL. Um, and on Facebook, I am Darren Shepherd Loxton, natural bodybuilder. Okay, cool. And do you have an email at all? If people wish to use email, I'm sure they'd contact you on there, but what's your email address? Uh, sure. It's Darren Loxton. That's L O X T O N at hotmail.com. Um, but any DMs and, and I'm, I'm very, very happy just to answer questions. If you've got a question, I get them daily. Just, you know, you don't have to be being coached by me. You don't have to be a client. I have people inquiring, you know, just little questions, just send them over. I'm, I'm happy to, to get back to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I can vouch for that. Darren's always been super helpful. If ever I've had any questions or something to ask and, I've seen clients Darren's way for posing and I always will do because I know uh, you do a fantastic job. So we'll end that there. Thanks guys for listening and we will speak in the next episode. Cheers guys.